good. It's good to see you all uh, today. Hey, if you're visiting us for the very first time, uh, we want to extend a huge welcome to you. No my haere mai ki te whare karakia or Elam Christian Centre Manurewa. Thank you so much for choosing to share your Sunday with us. Well, today we're in week two of our uh, sermon series in Psalm 23. And today I'm going to unpack verse two um, and a little bit of verse three. The way that our Bible uh, has been broken up, um, the way that our Bible has broken up the Word of God in verses, it doesn't necessarily follow the author's trail of thought. And so my message this morning is going to overlay a little bit into verse three, where the natural progression of the author's writing seems to flow. So here's what it says. Psalm 23, verse two to three. He, God, makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. God bless the reading of his word. Who in here has made a few mistakes in life? Oh, I love it. Glory to God. I'm glad to be in the same room with you. You know, like you've fully done something or just immediately responded to something and then you realize you've made a huge mistake. Uh, well, earlier this week as part of sermon preparation, I went around asking some of our church staff about a time in their lives where they've made a mistake and then realized that it was, you know, it was a mistake. And I heard some pretty interesting stories. Jake, do you want to come up and tell your story? Thank you, Pastor Don, for this amazing opportunity, Pastor Don. <clears throat> Your family, when, when Pastor Don asked me to share a mistake, I have to be honest, I, I said it would be a struggle because nothing really came to mind initially. Um, I had to dig very deep, you know, deep into my soul to find one. But I remember family about four years ago, we had uh, what was called the Light Party, uh, which was like a massive community festival where we would put on on our, camp on our campus site, and which was the Christian response to Halloween. A lot of young people come through, a lot of youth come through, and I thought to myself, how can I best serve the young people? How can I serve the, ch the children and the youth and bless them? So I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to perform. Okay, I am going to sing. I'm going to sing for the very first time with a live band. I'm going to perform a Disney classic, A Whole New World. Wow. Everybody say wow. I know. And uh, I thought, I'm, I'm going to become, you know, great Aladdin song and so anyway I remember, I remember practicing with Pastor Don who was on keys and we were singing. Now obviously the song is a duet. Um, I, you know, there's Aladdin, there's Jasmine's, but, but family, because I could not find, how do I put this, a Jasmine who I thought was up to my level as Aladdin, I thought to myself, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sing the whole duet by myself, okay? I'm going to sing Aladdin's bit and Jasmine's bit, and we'll see how that goes. And family, this is when the, the mistake began to manifest itself very early on. So anyway, the big day comes along, and I'm singing, and the first part of the song goes, well, you know, pitch perfect family in the right key, sing Aladdin's bit. But all of a sudden, the Jasmine's bit comes along, family, the second bit of the song. And I got a little bit caught up in the song, family. Okay, I got a little bit caught up in the spirit, embodying Jasmine. And I began to sing the rest of the song in the wrong key. So it should have been, family, unbelievable sights. But I'm going, unbelievable sights, indescribable. So I'm going up, family. But the problem is, family, when you get to the chorus, you have to go higher. The problem is I can't go any higher. So I can hear Pastor Don and Manutai Malachi, who are the BVs, they're trying to get me to come down. But instead of coming down, I'm saying, no, no, come up, come up, come up, come up, come with me. Stop holding me back, Manutai, I'm going to come up with me. Come up with me, all right? Needless to say, family, the, the performance began to diminish very quickly from there. The moral of the story, the moral of the story family, is 
Don't sing and do it by yourself, okay? Because it always leads to tragedy. But at the end of the day, you know what happened? Eventually, I found my Jasmine. She's in the front row, okay? So, there you go. Glory to God. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? I also made a mistake in my life. And there was this time at my last job, we were getting ready to interview someone for this particular role. And so, as I walk down the corridors, I hear my colleague say to the other colleague, yeah, well, she's pregnant, and so I wonder how she's going to manage. And so in my mind, I'm assuming, well, this candidate must be pregnant. And so I didn't have time to kind of like sort it out and ask them. And so the candidate arrived, and I looked, and I was like, yeah, she's definitely pregnant. So we have the interview, and at the end of the interview, I was like, so when is baby due? She's, she's looking at me like, what baby? And I was, I'm telling you, there was nothing I could have said or done to redeem that situation. I just sat down like, Lord, take me. Take me. Like, there's absolutely nothing I can actually say to kind of redeem this. Mistakes. We all make them. We've all had um, made a mistake at some point in our lives. And if you're sitting here and you're thinking, not, not me, I've never made a mistake. Please stop. Don't do it. We've all made mistakes. Every single one of us makes mistakes. We sin, we say the wrong thing, and we do the wrong thing. And if you are here and you are considering Christianity, I want to be honest with you and let you know that Christians are not perfect people. They're not perfect. Uh, we are forgiven, but we're not perfect. If you look close enough and look long enough, you will find that we are not 100%. We love Jesus, yes. We desire to live for Him, yes. But sometimes we do make mistakes in our walk with God. But I'm so thankful that God is full of mercy and compassion. You know, in Lamentations, it says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is the faithfulness of God. Both Isaiah and, and 1 Peter 2 says that we're like sheep who've gone astray. When sheep go astray, they start to head in the wrong direction. They end up in trouble. They end up in hurt. They could even end up dead. And so I'm thankful that we've got a shepherd whose desire is to keep us, to tend to us, to comfort us, to lead us, to guide us, to provide everything that we need. And so in Psalm 23 verse 2 and a little bit of 3, I think that there are some things that we can actually glean from the text to help us avoid some of the mistakes that sheep often make. Today's message is titled, Three Biggest Mistakes That Sheep Make. The first mistake is running in places of rest. The first thing that Psalm 23 2 says is that the shepherd makes us to lie down in green pastures. Many scholars of the word say that green pastures were symbolic of rest. That means that the shepherd is leading the sheep down to a place of rest. There are times where God is leading us to places where we're supposed to be resting. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. The problem with us sheep, and I say us because I often do this sometimes, the problem with us sheep is oftentimes we are out here running in places where we should be resting. And when I say running, I mean you're constantly on the go. You are just constantly working. You are just constantly doing things. You're the one that just won't sit down. You just won't take a seat. You are the one who's doing this thing and then the next thing, going from here to the next, to the next, to the next. You're just running it all. You're running it all in your house. You're running it all at your job. You're running it all in the ministry. You're running it all in your devotion time. And man, if you're running it all, then what is God supposed to run? Leave some stuff for God to run. I mean, if you're doing it all and jumping from one thing to the next, you probably don't need God then. You got it all under control. And I wonder sometimes if God looks at us and he's like, what are you doing, Jake? What are you doing? 
I wonder if he's like, slow down, buddy. Tap the person next to you and say, slow down. Slow down, buddy. Slow down. You see, there's nothing wrong with loving God with all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your soul that then manifests itself in your doing and you're serving Him. That's not the problem. The problem is when you're doing all of that stuff when God is actually wanting you to rest. You see, what happens is we run and we run and we run and we go and we go and we go until we can't go no more. I heard the saying growing up when I was young and it dictated the way that I viewed and served God. Everyone used to say, I'm not going to rest. I will rest when I'm in my grave. But as long as I'm alive, I'm going to give everything that I've got to the Lord. And so now it's a serving competition. And it's a competition between me and myself because if I don't feel like I'm doing good enough for the Lord, then I'm going to keep doing more and more and more until my inner critic says you've done enough. And so we put this unnecessary pressure on ourselves to have to do so much and we ultimately drive ourselves into the grave. That doesn't make sense to me, sorry. God didn't create you to just go and go. He also created you to rest. Rest in biblical terms means to cease from the productive labor. In Genesis 2 verse 2, we see that by the seventh day, God had finished all that he, all the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. And then verse 3 says that God blessed the seventh day, made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Right there in the beginning of time, God knit into the very fabric of creation a pattern, a design, a rhythm that would replicate all throughout Scripture. You were created to rest. Let me ask you today, where in your life are you running in a place that you should be resting in? You might ask me this morning, well, how do I know where I should be resting? Well, that's simple. Where in your life are you most tired? You see, your body will communicate to to you that you're tired. Your mind will communicate to you you're tired. Your soul will communicate to you. Your heart will communicate to you that you're tired. And I love what Pastor Mike Griffith says in one of his sermons. He says, God speaks through what he created. God created your body so your body will let you know when it's time to rest. God created your mind so your mind will let you know it's time to rest. God created your emotions so your emotions will let you know when it's time to rest. And so if you're feeling fatigue, exhaustion, heart palpitations and getting run down, that means you need to rest. If you're losing focus, struggling to stay on track, blanking out a lot and having mental health issues, then you need to rest. If you're going from disappointed to sad to cynical to depressed to anxious, then you need to rest. One day, a young girl went to her father and said, Dad, the oil light of my car is on. And the father replied, oh, good girl. Like, thanks for letting me know. How long has it been on for? And the girl replied, oh, it's only been two weeks. And the dad's like, two weeks? For some of you in the room, the warning lights have been on for more than two weeks. It's been months. It's been years even. You need to listen to your body and your mind before you are made to lie down. You were created for rest. And so here's the good news for you. The shepherd knows what your limits are and he is able to make you lie down in green pastures. And listen, while you're resting, he's got your job under control. While you're resting, he's got your house in order. He's got your kids under control. He's got your marriage sorted. He's got your kids taken care of. He's got it all under control. Psalm 4 verse 8 says, In peace I will lie down and sleep for you alone, Lord, Make me dwell in safety. The second mistake we make is we want control instead of render. 
The second thing that Psalm 23 verse 2 says is that the shepherd will lead us beside still waters. Sometimes country streams flow through pastures and there are like narrow places where the rocks would cause the flow of water to back up. So much so that the flow of water would be still and quiet. That is where David is saying that the shepherd wants to lead the sheep. You need to understand that rapid water is dangerous for sheep because they are heavy laden with wool. If you try to cause the sheep to drink from rapidly flowing water, they'll fall in and the weight of their wool will pull them down and ultimately drown them. You see, God is so sensitive to how much I have on me. He knows how much I've been carrying on me. He knows how much I have to deal with. He knows how much I've got on my back. And so instead of making me drink from waters that are too fast for me, He leads me beside still waters. One of the biggest mistakes we make as sheep is that instead of render ourselves to the leading of the shepherd, we want to control where we are being led. We want to control how the journey looks. We want to be in control of how it ends. We want to be in control of our destiny. And our problem is that we want control. And so we don't want to be led. We want to lead. We want to decide where we lay our heads. We want to decide where we rest. We want to decide where we're going to drink. We want to decide where we end up. Have you noticed that society often wants to be led, but then they want to pick and decide how they are being led? They even sometimes pick and decide where they're being led to. And we see this happen in Scripture to the people of Israel. Instead of being led by God, the one who brought them out of Egypt, Israel wanted a king that looked like the kings of the surrounding nations. They're wanting a king that'll fit their idea and their design of what a king should be like. And so what happens is when they get the king that they wanted, things started to turn to custard for them. The king that they wanted was not a good king at all. He was deeply flawed. The first half of the book of Samuel gives us this character study of King Saul and all of his failures. His root character flaw was self-deception and self-exaltation. In other words, he thought he knew better than anybody else including God. If you want to be led beside still waters, you have to be prepared to render control. Surrender your will, surrender your way, surrender your desires, surrender what you want to the shepherd. A.W. Tozer says that the essence of surrender is getting out of God's way so that He can do in us what He also wants to do through us. Tap the person in front of you and say, get out of the way. Get out of the way. you got to get out of the way. You can't expect the shepherd to lead you beside still waters if you're not prepared to get out of the way. You can't expect the shepherd to lead you to places of utmost peace if the one who is in the driving seat is you. You have to be prepared to render yourself. You have to be prepared to get out of the way. You have to be prepared to vacate your position of control and let God take the lead. Proverbs 3 verse 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. The shepherd knows what's best for you, church. And so instead of seek control, you need to rest, uh, to render to the shepherd's leading. He knows how much you've got on you, so he'll lead you beside still waters. 
You see, I don't know about you, but I want to be rendered to God so much so, rendered to his leading, that at this point, my prayers are, Lord, I don't want anything that you don't want me to have. I don't want a job you don't want me to have. I don't want a friend you don't want me to have. I don't want friendships or companionships that you don't want me to have. You know how much I got on me. And so, Lord, please take the lead. Come on, somebody. He leads me. He leads me. He leads me. He knows what's best for me. And so he leads me beside still waters. That means I don't got to compete to get to where someone else is drinking from. I don't got to aim for what somebody else has. I rebuke the spirit of jealousy and the spirit of envy because what one person can stand, another person can't stand. You got too much wool on you to wish that you were somebody else. Stop trying to be somebody else. The shepherd has already weighed you. He knows what you can handle. He knows what you can stand. He knows what your limits are. He knows what will give you a nervous breakdown. If the shepherd has led you beside still waters, be happy and drink from the waters he puts you in because God has already weighed your capacity and he knows what's best for you. The third mistake we make is that we wander. The third thing in this trail of thought that the author reveals to us is that the shepherd restores my soul. You might ask the question, if David is under the keeping of God, the great shepherd, why would he make such a statement as he restores my soul? Surely anybody in the care of the great shepherd God could never become so distressed as to need restoration. But the fact remains that this does happen. Even David the author of the psalm, who was much loved of God, knew what it was to be cast down and dejected. He tasted defeat in his life and felt the frustration of having fallen under temptation. David knew what it meant to have to deal with the bitterness of feeling hopeless and without strength in himself. And so in Psalm 42, David says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. The third biggest mistake that sheep can often make is to wander away from the shepherd. An author by the name of Philip Keller, he wrote this book um, many years. He was a shepherd for many years. And so he wrote this book called A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. And so in this book, he's describing this particular condition that happens when a sheep becomes cast. It can happen when the sheep's fleece is long and heavy or when it's carrying lambs. The problem in both instances is the weight that the sheep is having to carry. And so if a sheep lies down on its side, it's totally fine. But if it was to roll on its back, it can be quite dangerous. Because of how heavy it is, it can't roll itself back onto its feet. And so the sheep will lie there helpless with its feet kicking in the air. The sheep cannot restore itself. And so Philip Keller goes on to say that as the sheep is lying there struggling, gases will begin to build up in its digestive organs. As the organs start to expand, they tend to cut off blood circulation to extremities of the body, particularly the sheep's legs. Not only that, but the sheep is now vulnerable to the attacks of predators out in the field. And so as a shepherd, he would restore the cast sheep. He would lift the sheep to its feet. He would uh, straddle the sheep with his legs and hold it up. He would rub its limbs to restore the circulation back to its legs. This would often take some time. Now, when the sheep, when the sheep started walking again, it would just stumble, stagger, and collapse. But little by little, it would start to regain its strength and be able to walk completely. This is why it's a big mistake for sheep to wander away from the shepherd. Because to wander would be to place yourself in harm's way. To wander would be to risk your own safety and your life. In much the same way, 
we too have a tendency to wander. Isaiah 53, 6 says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. We're God's sheep. We belong to God. We've been redeemed and bought by the blood of Jesus. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. And yet there remains within us an impulse to wander. We wander from God and we chase the desires of our heart. We wander from God and we chase the paper. We wander from God and we chase fame and fortune. We wander from God and we chase what the world offers us. We love the Lord, but our hearts have a tendency to wander. Our obedience falters. Our faith often burns low. And if our salvation is dependent on the consistency of how we follow the shepherd, we probably would never arrive home safely. But you see, church, I'm so glad that we have a shepherd who restores our souls. Amen. He's the kind of shepherd who will leave the 99 for the one. He's the kind of shepherd who will rejoice having found the one. He's the kind of shepherd who knows me completely. He's the kind of shepherd who will lay down his life for me. He's the kind of shepherd who will never leave me nor forsake me. If I can ask the team to join me. As I was preparing for today's message, I realized that actually when you study sheep, the only reason the sheep would lie down in green pastures, the only reason they, the sheep would follow the shepherd beside still waters, the only reason that the sheep can be restored is because the sheep have a good view of the shepherd. The sheep would be too afraid to lie down. The sheep would be too scared to drink from the waters. The sheep would be too terrified to rest if it cannot see the shepherd. But once it's got the shepherd in view, it'll go on ahead and lay down. It'll go on ahead and take a nap. It'll go on ahead and drink because the sheep knows as long as I can see the shepherd, I'm in good territory. I'm being taken care of. Should any harm come my way, the shepherd is close by. If I was to be cast, the shepherd can come and see about me. If the enemy was on the prowl, the shepherd would fight on my behalf. The best thing that you could ever do is to get a good view of the shepherd. Because if you can see the shepherd, the less stressed you'll be. If you can see the shepherd, the less jumpy you'll be. If you can see the shepherd, the, 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 the less controlling that you'll try to be. If you've got a good view of the shepherd, the less you'll go wandering off. And so if you ever find yourself running in a place where you should be resting, then friend, you need to get a better view of the shepherd. If you find yourself trying to control everything instead of render, then you need to get a better view of the shepherd. If you find yourself wandering off, then you need to get a better view of the shepherd. And you get a better view of the shepherd by reading the Bible. You get a better view of the shepherd by reminding yourself who the shepherd is. You get a better view of the shepherd by staying in his presence. You get a better view of him by worshiping him. You get a better view of him by walking with him. You get a better view of him by praying to him. And the song says, oh, how he walks with me. Oh, how he talks with me. Oh, how he tells me that I am his own. This is why the world would look at you and think it crazy. And they would ask you, how is it that after all that you've endured in your life, with all the injustice that surrounds you, with all of the 
conflict that you've endured, with all the disappointments you've encountered, with all the pain you've suffered, with all the demands that were upon you, how is it that after everything that you've been through, that you are still here today and you can stand tall and say, it's only because of the one who makes me to lie down in green pastures. It's because of the one who leads me beside still waters. It's because of the one who restores my soul and because of him, I lack nothing. Some call on the name of Buddha, some call on the name of Muhammad, but I call on the name of the Lord. He is my shepherd. If you are here today and you're saying, I'm tired of running in places where I should be resting. I'm tired of wanting to be in control. I'm tired of wandering. I'm tired of picking things up that can't pick me up. I'm tired of carrying stuff that can't carry me. I'm tired of being careful with stuff that don't matter and being frivolous with stuff that do. I came to let you know today that everything that's been on you, everything that's been telling you that you're not good enough, everything that's got you running instead of resting, got you craving control, everything that's keeping you up at night, everything that's making you sick in your stomach, everything that's ever made you want to die is breaking off your life today. Everything that promised you everything and gave you nothing is coming off your life today. It's coming off of your life because you've got a better view of the shepherd. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah to God. And so if that's you today and you're saying, yes, I choose to get a better view of the shepherd. Why don't you stand up in this place right now? I want you to be brave and bold. I want a better view of the shepherd. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet. I'm going to pray for you. Come on, lift your hands. God, you are the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. Right now, we're praying, God, that you give us a greater view, a greater vision of who you are. God, we acknowledge our dependence on you. And we thank you that the impossibilities in our lives, they give you freedom to work. Let your mighty power be shown through our weaknesses. Breathe your life into our impossibilities as we we walk in a new level of trust in you. God, we are coming to you, the great shepherd. And we thank you, Lord, that today we will find refreshment in green pastures. We thank you that today we will find peace beside still waters. We thank you that today you are restoring our souls. We thank you that today the yoke is broken. Today the bondage is destroyed. Today the captive is set free. Today the bound is being delivered by the power of your name. And Jesus name we pray and everybody say amen and amen come on let's put our hands together for Jesus this morning I think we should worship your spirit lives within hallelujah Lord your spirit lives my victory yeah your spirit come on let's declare your spirit lives within so I will war your spirit lives. Your spirit. Hey, your spirit lives within. So I will walk. Your spirit lives. My victory. Come on, let's sing it one more time. Your spirit. Your spirit lives within me. So I will walk in your peace. Your spirit lives within me. My victory, my victory. Hallelujah. I am not alone. He's my comfort. He's my comfort. Oh. 
you're here today and you don't know Jesus to be your shepherd, you need to know that He's such a good shepherd that He's laid His life down for you. The God who created this entire universe is the God who created you and me. He created you to come into loving fellowship with the shepherd. But the Bible talks about this thing that entered the world through the disobedience of Adam and Eve. Sin came into the world. And so because of sin, death also entered into the world. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But you see, it didn't end there because God in His grace sent His only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that you and I didn't have to pay that penalty for sin. And so right now, God is extending to you forgiveness for your past, a new life right now, and a hope for your future and eternal life with Him in heaven. But here's what we must do. We must turn away from sin and turn to Jesus. Follow Jesus. Trust Jesus. Have faith in Jesus. The Bible says, whosoever believes in Him, will not perish, but have everlasting life. And so if that's you today and you're saying, yes, I want to give my heart to, the, to Jesus. I want to make him the Lord of my life. I want him to be the shepherd of my life. I'm going to count to three and then I want you to lift your hands and then you can put your hand down straight away. Listen, you don't have to be afraid or shy. Nobody in this church was born holy. We are all sinners who've been saved by grace. So if that's you, I'm going to count to three. I want you to raise your hand and then you can put it down. One, God loves you. Two, he's speaking to your heart right now. Three, raise your hand. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sis. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you, bro. I see that hand. Thank you, Lord. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. I need you to know the prayer doesn't save you. Jesus Christ saves you. This prayer is only an expression of you putting your faith and hope in Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins. And you rose again. I turn away from sin. And I turn to you. I invite you to come into my heart. And into my life. I want to trust you. And follow you. As my Lord and Savior. In Jesus name. Amen and amen.